Hi, good afternoon again, church. And um, we thank God for bringing us to <clears throat> another day, sparing our lives by His grace even to live. I leave that kind of hanging there. Live for His purpose. Um, we have opportunity we have the day ahead of us, even to look for how, um, I mean, just to carry on with life as we have probably determined we want to live it. But life for all of us is, is short. It's busy. You know, there's money troubles. There's children to look after. There's work deadlines. There's relationships to build and relationships to break off. There's health concerns, just to mention a few. Anymore? I mean, add to that trying to hold on to faith in Christ. Or did I get the order right? Or add these life issues to holding on to faith in Christ? I mean, is there a state of being that brings both of these extremes together? Trying to hold on to life, trying to hold on to Christ. Um, can we have assurance that as we walk with Jesus, he doesn't make these life issues or these cares that we have worse. I don't know what brings us to Christ. I don't know what um, draws each individual here um, to Christ for what it is that we seek from him. But questions we can, answer, we can try and answer even as we consider as we continue looking at um, Paul's letter to the Philippians today, is where does our help come from? And what can we expect and hope for from Christ in ordinary and challenging life situations? How does this look, the help? And are the choices easy? You know, what are the choices we have? Are they easy to, to make? And what should inform and guide our choices in the end? The ultimate challenge is what does it look like to live in Christ? And that's what we're going to consider today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for life. You know, you are the author of life. We read in Scripture that, you know, you formed man from the dust of the ground. And then you breathed the breath of life into his nostrils and he became a living being. Beyond all of that, we know sin entered into the world and we fall short of your glory. We fall short even of being in your presence, Lord. But yet, there is a yearning in our hearts, a longing, a desire to be with you. A longing, a desire to be at peace. A longing, Lord God, for rest that we want to enter into. But Lord, we don't have it just yet. But you hold out this hope for us in Jesus Christ. Lord, how do we reconcile the two? How do we bring it all together? Your word tells us that you bring all things to yourself and reconcile all things to yourself in Jesus Christ. Lord, establish that truth in our hearts today. Help us, Lord, even as we look to this servant, this 
man of God, encouraging, instructing, challenging the church, even by his own life example, for the choices that we make when it comes to living life in Christ. Help us, Lord God, indeed to live a truly joyous gospel life. Thank you, Lord. And guide me, Lord, even as I speak this afternoon. Help me, Lord, with all my weaknesses, with all my um, infirmities, Lord, to deliver your word soundly, to deliver your word clearly. Let it be you, O Lord God, that we hear. Let it be you who speaks even through these words. Thank you, Heavenly Father, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, <clears throat> forgive me if this comes across as patronizing, but is it uncommon to hear it preached that, you know, some of these rewards could keep us confident that Jesus has our back as we walk with him? I don't know if you've seen any of these. Uh, it's not uncommon to hear it preached that rewards like this could, you know, be testimony that Jesus, Jesus has got our back. You know, the world's most expensive gemstone. I don't know if, you, if, you, if you've seen that one. The Oppenheimer Blue Diamond the largest vivid blue diamond to appear at an auction. Any guesses how much that sold for? Take a ballpark figure, just throw it out there. Five million, way, way short. 57.5 million dollars. Wayne, Wayne just 14.62 carats. Just 14.62 carats. That's about three, about three grams. Making it worth $3.93 million per carat. I don't know if it's... I mean, I've heard it said diamonds are a girl's best friend. I don't know how, I don't know how true that is. Not hating. Not, not hating. I mean, it's just common saying out there. Uh, a 2019 Tesla Model X. I mean, check that one out. I jokingly say to my family whenever I see one, who took my car out? <laughs> Ticket price on that, any guesses? Sorry? 85 what, pounds? Over 100,000 pounds. I mean, the reason I would like to have one is... I mean, this is, and, this is, and this is just a wish. It's just a wish, all right? Humor me for a bit. No road tax in the first year. I, I discovered this only in the first year. I thought it was the whole time. <laughs> and no congestion charge. No ultra-low emission charge at present. Maybe, 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 maybe Sadiq might change his mind and include them electric cars as well. <laughs> um, what about... That one, I mean, I, and the funny thing, I don't, I don't drive into central London, oddly enough, so figure that one out. Sorry, I, like I said last week, I'm not, I'm not the best at these things. Anybody recognize that other one? A Samsung, did somebody say? It's a phone, yeah, Samsung S10, you know? Eh? You love Samsung, 
Okay. <laughs> everyone, wants, everyone wants a new smartphone, if you, if you already have one. Because I think, I think they're not made to last. So that if you, if you have one, it won't be long before you need another one to replace the one you have. You know? But truly, how much greater joy could we get you know, from having Jesus supply the life that we desire now than we could from living for the sake of his church. Okay. So over the last couple of weeks, we joined the saints in, at Philippi as they read their letter from Paul. And, um, you know, the thought may not have remained from last week, or we probably weren't here, what we um, read of Paul's joy. Paul's joy for the fact that even though he's in custody, his guards knew that they were holding him because of the gospel. Um, his joy for the fact that most brothers have far more courage to speak the word of God without fear because of his imprisonment. And joy also at those who preached Christ while trying to, you know, remove from the work that Paul had already done, nurturing the church in Philippi, in, in the whole of that region of um, uh, Achaia and Macedonia. See, Paul's writing this letter because obviously the church have heard that this guy who's preached the gospel to them is in prison. He's in custody. They're concerned. They've actually sent a guy called Epaphroditus to go minister to Paul and cater for his needs while he's in prison. And he writes his letter back to let them know, guys, don't concern yourself about my circumstances. Don't concern yourself about my condition. Rather, if there's anything at all to take delight in from this, Rejoice in the fact that these guys who hold me in custody know that I'm held for the sake of the gospel of Christ. And brothers are encouraged to speak more boldly because I'm in prison. And those who even preach, trying to take away from what work I've done, preach Christ as well. What brought Paul joy in that? Okay, let's move this along. What brought him joy in that? The joy is that Christ is preached. Now, let's read the next section in the letter which we're looking at today in Philippians chapter 1. Please join me in reading from verses 18 to 26. What then? Only that in every way, we ended on this verse last, last week, in every way, um, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed proclaimed, and in this I rejoice. I will rejoice. Yes, I will rejoice, for I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayers and the provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. Okay, sorry about the, the speaker in the way of the projection on that side. Um, and 
according to my earnest expectation and hope that I will not be put to shame. Thank you, Silla. And I will not be put to shame in anything but that with all boldness, Christ will even now, as always, be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. And for to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. But if I am to live on in the flesh, this will mean fruitful labor for me. And I do not know which to choose, but I am hard-pressed from both directions, having the desire to depart and be with Christ, for that is very much better, and um, yet to remain on in the flesh is more necessary for your sake. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith so that your proud confidence in me may abound in Christ Jesus through my coming to you again. So, let's look at um, the questions I asked us. Because we're talking about living the gospel life joyfully. Where does our help come from? And what can we expect and hope for from Christ in ordinary and challenging life situations? You know, as we get together sometimes, from time to time, and bear the name of Jesus Christ, I even ask myself the question, what do we do it for? I mean, I flashed up some shots of things that, you know, we may just desire to have in life. There's nothing wrong with those things. Is there? Nothing wrong with those things. We want to have some nice holidays, a nice big house on the prairie, two kids, picket fence, a cat and a dog, and all those things. We may want all these things, you know. And um, the question is, is it in hope of realizing better fortunes or prospects in this life only, you know? To have it maybe, we, we, we all have all kinds of life issues. Is it trying to get a settled status in the UK, immigration-wise? Is it to be free to travel all over the world, take the sights in, a place uh, to live in peace and have food always on our tables, a nice, in a nice warm house, you know, to raise a family and live trouble-free, healthy lives in relatively safe parts of the world? In asking these questions, I wonder, do we limit the bounds of joy that Christ works in and through our lives? I mean, how, do we, how, does, how does the joy that we have in Christ overflow? If, if life is all about those things, that some of those things are just listed, then where is the joy once we have it? Where is the joy once those things are sorted out? Does being in Christ, having faith in Christ, having fellowship with the body just then become some boring routine that we just keep to, kind of like a stick-on label, that we just add to the life that we really, really want? So, 
remember what Paul is asking here. Let's come back to the text. Paul is praying that, um, indeed, he hopes that this, his imprisonment will turn out for his deliverance. And how will that happen? Question. He says, through their prayers, through your prayers. Ask Dr. Ask, through your prayers? Paul, who are you writing to? You're the apostle. You're writing to the church and saying, through their prayers, you will be delivered? Shouldn't it be the other way around? I mean, it's not unusual for us to want someone who we look up to spiritually to pray for us, right? Have an issue and I come to... Um, Bro, please pray for me because I, I have you know, high regard for you and your, your stand spiritually. You're, you're, you're grown in the Lord and you're over me in the Lord. You pastor me, you teach me, and so on. So pray for me. But Paul is saying the other way around, guys, through your prayers. Did Paul just count on their prayers for a jailbreak? <laughs> These ones that Paul's discipling, praying for Paul. See, we see examples of, um, even in Jesus' ministry with regard to prayer. I mean, who was in dire straits and called the disciples to keep watch while he prayed the other day? In Matthew 14, 37, we read of Jesus calling Peter, James, and John to come and keep watch while he prayed. In, a great, in great anxiety over the looming death on the cross. I mean, when Jesus comes back to find them asleep, he asks them, guys, you couldn't keep watch with me for even an hour? Did he need their support at that time or not? We learn again in Hebrews 5, 7 that um, it says that in the days of his flesh, while Jesus was here on earth, living just like we are, he offered up both prayers and supplications with loud crying and tears to the one able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his piety. Well, that was Jesus, heard because of his piety. But see, Paul is um, looking for help from the prayers of the church. We're asking the question, where does our help come from when we're dealing with these life-challenging situations. He's asking for the prayers of the church. It's part of our ministry one to another, one that we can actually draw on, one that we, um, one of those means that God indeed uses to make his grace available to us, Amen. to help one another. So if Paul can ask the church and say to the church, well, um, I trust that, this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayers. Hey, it's not too much or not too little that we would pray for each other, even in dealing with our own life situations. So that was Jesus, as I was just telling you about in Hebrews 5, 7. He prayed and he was heard because of his own piety. But you know what? We are still in these bodies of flesh as well. 
and just like Jesus Christ. <clears throat> We're still finite men waiting to be clothed and become like Christ. The good news is that when we pray, we too are heard. Not because of our piety, but because of Christ's righteousness. Christ hears our prayers. And there, there is great help available. There is great help made available when we pray. So, that's why we pray. We trust in Jesus Christ and not in ourselves. If, I mean, I'm really grateful, you know, lately I've had... Um, there's a, there's, a, there's a group of people here who would send out a message, and thanks for those messages. Keep them coming. Ever so, ever, ever so often they would call and ask, guys, uh, what can we pray for you? What can we pray about for you? I can tell you one thing. Standing up here preaching, <laughs> pray for me. I need the grace, the utterance, the help of God to handle his word. I fear God, and I don't want to handle his word just loosely, carelessly, because you've come here trusting in God, not in any of us, not in myself, not in Pastor Rob, Pastor Ephraim, Richard, Mikey, not in any of us, but you've come trusting in God, and you want to receive from God what God has in store for you. Listen, we need your help. Pray for us. Much appreciated. Bring it on. Amen. Jesus will, God will hear you because of Christ. It's his body after all. Amen. And he's concerned for it. So, um, we can find help in dealing with these life situations in our prayers. Um, I begin to understand how the body ministers to itself through this means of God's grace. See, the temptation is to try and do life all by myself. Because <clears throat> we're struggling as it is, you know. I'm struggling. Why do I want to take on somebody else's struggles? Hello? That's not the design for the body of Christ. I'm struggling, so let me just mind my own business. As soon as church is done, I'm boom. Don't see me again until next week. That applies to me as well. <laughs> that applies to me as well. But the way the Lord has designed the body, he says that speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body, the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies. Look around you. There's supply from everybody sitting next to you. Even your prayers to uh, help even in those challenging life situations. We can rely on Christ and... Um, your prayer makes power available. So, <clears throat> just mindful. Say, Paul says that uh, he has the expectation that this will work out for his deliverance, even through their prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. Now, <clears throat> times when we are minded to think we are without help, remember, the Lord saying that, I will not leave you alone. 
I will ask the Father, and he will send you another comforter to be with you. Paul makes reference here to the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. As I looked at this, I thought, is this just poetic text, or is it referring to the Spirit of Jesus Christ? How much do I know? And I had to ask myself the question, too. How much do I know of the work and the person of the Holy Spirit in my life as a believer? How much do I believe indeed in spiritual things? Is it just the material things that, you know, evidence and show the work of God in my life? Is it just the material things that show that I am, you know, walking in Christ and succeeding in Christ or succeeding in my life? Which is it? What concerns do I have about um, the things of God? How much do I actually rely on the Spirit of God to help and guide me in my daily walk? Note that Paul is not presuming here, as we'll see in a moment. He's not claiming some kind of hyper or super spiritual status. In fact, moving on, he recognizes that the outcome in talking about what he expects, um, the outcome is actually um, God's call, even as he expresses a hope and the expectation that he has of Christ. The point here is this. Again, much as it's easy in the throes of life business to think, where is Christ in all the palaver I'm facing? Think Paul in prison. Think Paul in custody. Let's remember that Jesus hasn't left us alone. And without his help of the Holy Spirit dwelling in us and being with us as we walk with Jesus Christ. Um, so, Quick question we asked, where does our help come from and what can we expect and hope for from Christ? We can count on one another to draw from Christ to help us by our prayers and by the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ to us as his body. Next question, what can we expect and hope for um, from Christ in these situations? Paul expects that he will not at all be ashamed, but that with full courage now as always, Christ will be honored in his body, whether by life or by death. Um, here, in Paul's situation, he says that in nothing he will be ashamed, or in nothing will he be ashamed that he will not have cause to feel shame. What's Paul dealing with here? What's he dealing with currently that could actually cause him to feel shame? Any thoughts? He's in custody. We've been talking about that a long time. He's in prison. The church is concerned. Paul's in prison. Well, if we just transfer that directly to our day, you know the saying, if you do the crime... That could cause one to feel shame. Is that the case in this, in this situation? Those who are detracting from Paul as well, 
working at taking away from the flock of Jesus Christ simply because he's in custody. Don't take this to mean that every time a man of God is taken into custody or facing some um, adverse situation that people are just picking on him because of Jesus' name that he bears. If, in fact, the so-called man of God has given himself to be a tool in Satan's hands, then it must be said and called for what it is. But God is not tempted by sin. He doesn't tempt anyone with sin. Each one is tempted and drawn away by his own lust. Just, that's just a sidebar there. But when shame comes, even in situations that we deal with, life-challenging situations, just like Paul's facing here, I want to hide my head. I want to lie low, hide my face for a while because of something that hasn't worked out good or worked out well. You know, shame sometimes is like taking the blame or putting blame or guilt for a bad situation upon ourselves and trying to ride it out if we can. But then, <laughs> here's the thing Paul is saying, and look at, look, look at the continuing thought. He's saying that he will have no cause to feel shame, but rather that with all boldness, as always, so now also. Do you notice the contrast? Rather than shame, he'll be bold about the circumstance he finds himself in. Rather than feel shame for himself, quite the opposite. Paul expects that with all boldness, Christ shall be magnified in his body. This is worth kind of like hovering on this thought for a minute just to get some meaning for the verse and for the rest of the passage. I couldn't think of any, any other way of illustrating this than um, referring to the gospel accounts in Mark chapter 5 where we read about the woman. Remember this woman who had a hemorrhage for years, 12 years hemorrhaging. I mean, that is difficult to say the least and then in that culture in the jewish culture emitting i mean bleeding for 12 years boy the number of things should be just kind of excluded from you can't take part in this you can't take part in that because you have this issue just imagine the embarrassment imagine the shame it would become known. She had spent her livelihood trying to deal with this situation, but it just got worse. And what do you know? What did she do rather than cower in shame, seeing the opportunity for a solution, opportunity for counting upon this Savior, this Messiah that, that we've heard about, this Jesus she comes out, sneaks out behind him, of course in shame, probably disguised, probably just blending in with the crowd and quietly touch the hem of his garment. Quietly. And then try to sneak away. Remember, Jesus was en route to someone else's house to go, do a, to go heal his daughter, Jairus. And he stops 
asked his disciples, who touched me? What? Look at all this crowd around you, Jesus, and you're asking, who's touched you? No, someone touched me. And seeing that all the attention was focused on her now by this Jesus, she, rather than hide in shame, rather than sneak away, comes out boldly. Comes out confessing and telling, Lord, and describe the situation. You imagine, she must have described the situation openly there. Something that would ordinarily be a cause of shame and openly comes out, attests to the fact that her faith in Christ has made her whole, and Jesus also declaring that, being healed by Jesus. The issue here is relying upon Jesus rather than in our capacity that we don't have to deal with a difficult and challenging situation. So, what can we hope for? In fact, I hope indeed for us to get a better feeling for what Paul is having to deal with uh, for the church, even though he's writing to them from prison. You see, what's, what stands out here, the gospel of Jesus Christ stands out again. The joy, one, of receiving the grace and mercy of God far outweighs the shame of remaining in a situation that we have no capacity to resolve. I repeat that the joy of receiving the grace and mercy of God indeed outweighs the shame of remaining in a situation that we have no capacity to resolve. I tell you, we have issues. We have issues. Things that we can't bring ourselves to. <sighs> Should I discuss this with bro so-and-so? Or should I? <sighs> the opportunity is right there. Can I speak with you, Depa? But, and you go, yeah, 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 feel free, go on. But I think about how shameful it would be to disclose and reveal and divulge things I can't handle myself. I can't deal with them. Wait a minute. It's already clear I can't deal with this. So, who can if it's not Jesus Christ? Who can if it's not the Savior who's risen from death, who's conquered death himself? Who can if not him who we preach, Christ crucified? Our Savior died for our sakes and then <laughs> resurrected, raised from death for our justification. Who, who, who do we want to take it to? Dr. Phil? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't say that lightly because, trust me, listen, in life, people, we can resort to anywhere where we think there's going to be hope. And people do. No comments about Jeremy Kyle. <laughs> but Paul's shout out here is not about his own righteousness, but about the goodness of Jesus Christ to him. 
and the confidence that um, he has placed in Jesus Christ. Paul placed his life entirely in the hands of Jesus. Let's not lose heart here if our lives are not entirely in God's hands. We're probably dealing with situations and dealing with issues and trying to deal with them ourselves. Maybe you don't have a relationship with Christ at all in the first place. And so he wouldn't be one that you would resort to or trust. Will you trust Jesus today? Will you trust the Savior? I mean, do you know anyone who died and then rose again from death and is still alive? Praise God. Yeah. Anyone else? I should, have, I should have asked. Anyone else? <laughs> you see, I pose these questions. I pose these questions. I ask myself the questions as well as I ask you. How much do I trust Jesus Christ? How much do I trust myself to run my life? God knows how many times I've made a dog's dinner of it. How well has that fared? In what things do I trust Jesus? Everything? Do I have any expectations of Jesus at all? What hope do I have in Jesus Christ? Do those hopes include things beyond this life? If they're things only in this life, then, hey, just, we might as well just you know, kind of like leave Jesus out of it, you know? Or is it just to come, you know, and kind of pat ourselves on the shoulders that, yeah, we're good, but really leaving Jesus out when it comes to real everyday issues, real everyday life? <clears throat> you see, Paul's shout out is for Christ who saved him. That's a starting point. Not so much that he struck a partnership with Christ. So that if things don't work out the way um the way Paul wants, then the deal with Jesus is off. See how Paul considers his life completely owned by Jesus Christ. And so whatever the outcome, look at that at the end of the verse, whether by life or by death, whatever the outcome, it will be on account of Christ and not on account of Paul's failings or weakness. Now at this point, we experience as we read his letter, Paul in his, in his typical manner presenting an argument. No, he's not arguing with anyone, but he's laying down an argument as a way of teaching a spiritual truth. Follow carefully, yeah? Paul has a strained expectancy that he will not be dishonored in anything. Christ will be exalted in his body. Christ will be exalted whether by life or by death. Christ will be exalted by life. Christ will be exalted by death. But then life and death are not, they're not alike, are they? 
Guys, let's come back to the point. Paul, stay with us. Or rather, let's stay with Paul as he, as, as he progresses the argument. See, um, okay. The argument is this. How can we reconcile both of these things? Paul is saying whether he lives or whether he dies, Christ will be exalted. And look at this point, look at this statement here. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. To live is Christ, and to die is gain. Paul, what are you talking about? He goes on to explain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. That means fruitful labor for me. If I'm to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. He's at a point where he knows he's coming close to the end of his life. And he realizes that most of his life work is in the past. Remember, this is a guy who began, he got, um, if you like, waylaid. He says he got arrested by Christ. Well, Christ took him captive, took him prisoner for the sake of, pre of presenting the gospel. And he's done quite a lot. Apart from the church in Philippi, he's been to Ephesus, he's been to Corinth, he's been to, uh, Galatia, he's been to Galatia. He's been so many places, preaching the gospel, establishing churches, having them appoint elders, deacons. <laughs> I think about us now. He's done all of that in not just one church, but several. And here he is still thinking about Looking back and seeing all the work he's done, but seeing that there is more that can be done. And the decision is, what would I do? What would I choose to do? What should inform and guide our choices now? Are the choices easy? To live or to die? Dying, that an easy choice. Let me ask the obvious question. It's, I mean, I, I know the answer to that question for myself. Dying is not an easy choice. It's not an easy option. But then, if I'm thinking of not dying, why am I not thinking of that? Am I thinking, okay, I want to see my sons get married. I want to see my grandchildren. Yeah. That's probably the, the foremost things in my mind right now. I want to probably... See my grandchildren, I want to see who, who their wives will be. I want to see them graduate. I want to see my, that it extends to where else? My, my nieces and nephews, I want to see them go to school. I want to see them get married. I want to be there when they're having their children. I want to be able to visit. Hello? Can you see where that's going? Is that what life in Christ is about? For real, it's, it's a very hard choice. Even if we want to live, what are we, what is it for? What is it about? Is this the thing that we see an example here? And I won't, I won't lie to you, man. This is, this is hard. This is challenging. This is like calling me Bertram. So you're a believer for how many years now? 
Hmm. Count. About 30 years. Right. And how much work is there to show for your walk in Christ? I mean, how well would you say you've lived up to, and ask my wife, she would tell you, sometimes when I'm praying and I'm thinking of what to pray, I always pray. I just resort to, Lord, um, Lord, help us now so that um, we seek your kingdom first and the righteousness therein. And even sometimes when I pray that, I think to myself, am I really praying for the kingdom and the righteousness, or am I praying for the things that he says will be added unto you? It's, it's hard. It's challenging. But look at this guy. I am challenged. I don't know about you. I am challenged. Like, boy, is this guy for real living his life like this for Christ. Patience now. This guy, he's been at it for a while. He's been at it for a minute. He's been at it, gone around preaching, establishing churches and so on. But knowing that there is the reality of being with Christ as he's gotten to know Jesus over the, over the years, as he's gotten to see himself sprung from jail, sprung from persecution, seeing the power of God at work, seeing himself being given the utterance to speak, He's seeing that, wow, I need to, I, I actually want to be with this Jesus. And there is the desire. I'd rather be with Jesus. Is, is the hope of everlasting life real? Is it true? Or is it just a yarn we've been fed? And you know, one that we just identify with and call ourselves Christians and say we are the church. Is that all it's about? Is there more than we already know and have seen or experienced in Christ? Prayers answered. Ailments healed. Deliverance from troublesome situations. Comfort in times of loss and grief. Assurance of eternal life that we that look for listen we we've we've ah oh God give me utterance we've had lives before we came to know Christ and boy some of us have been forgiven much. been forgiven much and you want to you want to actually get to the lord the, the 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 judge of all of creation and know that because of jesus christ you will stand there and not be driven from his presence forever eternally wouldn't you want to meet jesus hello or oh, no one's ready yet for that. <laughs> you know, it doesn't have to be by death, you know. He could just come now and ding. 
We're in his presence. Amen. Look, the choice is hard for Paul. It is hard for Paul. I mean, this reminds me of a couple of, of, um, of men of God in our time, contemporaries now. Well, I wouldn't say, I would say they're my contemporaries, but they're in our time. Pastor Chuck Smith. Boy, I, I think I, I, I first came to fellowship in Carver Chapel, South London in 2003. And it wasn't too long after. Was it 2008, 2009? He passed more recently. Listen, this man, the works that this guy has done, I mean, the, it's the whole Bible taught through verse by verse. The transcripts, the audios, if you want to go find them online, word for today. Go find them there, you see. Spoken, taught, the script, everything. This guy preached till, was he preaching the week before he passed? This man passed with some serious Long cancer. Was it long cancer? He, was, he had an oxygen tank connected to and the guy was still preaching. I'm thinking, bro, <laughs> come now, step down, let somebody else continue the work. <laughs> Pastor Chuck Swindle, another of my, one, one guy I look up to a lot. This guy says, if it means he's preaching till he drops and, you know, hits the lectern on the way down. That's what he's going to do. Very recently, you know something this guy did? Over the years, he's been preaching since the 1970s or late 60s. And what's he done? The method, the manner in which he preaches, how he goes about his Bible study, how he puts the text together, how he selects the text, how he reads, makes his notes and prays and all. Put all that together in a book. And just put the book out there. It's there, available to buy. Look at that, to build the church. To build and establish the church. Paul's struggling with these kind of dilemmas. He wants to be with Jesus, yet there's opportunity to build the church some more. It's hard. Maybe you may not feel it because... I hope that's not condescending. Or you may not feel it because maybe you might not think, okay, I don't have any responsibility to the rest of the body or to look over the church and care for it. But hey, you have some responsibility to the rest of us. But if called to be with Christ today, what would the choice be? I think it's very simple for me. I would like, yeah, Christ, come now, let's go. <laughs> But I learned from this guy, listen, the choices are not easy, but what should inform our choices? He says here, my desire is to, to depart. This is his personal choice, preference. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. Of course, yes. You want to meet the, 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 the only person who died and lives again. Wow. And that's far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. I'm making a choice here now to be with you. Because of my coming to you again. 
Now he wants to be with the church. He wants to come to them again. He wants to see more results. He wants to see more work done, more accomplished. He wants to see another crop of people take over in leading the church. He wants to see, I mean, would you want to see R.C. preaching someday? Yeah? Would you want to see Micaiah preaching someday? Would you want to see, I mean, would you want to see Toby preaching someday? Hey, beautiful, but it takes work to make that happen. All right? But the choice is hard to make. But what guides his choices? What informs Paul's choice? He makes a decision, though, convinced that, look, it would be better for you, for me to come to you again, convinced of that. Um, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus. Look, the ultimate challenge is what does it look like to live for Christ? But what should inform and guide our choice in the end? Paul decides he will remain and continue for the progress and for the progress of the church in Philippi and for their joy in the faith. What does he want to see here? How will that happen? Will it be just because, yeah, Paul, who we prefer over everybody else, is back with us? Would it be taking pride in, oh yeah, I love to see Pastor Rob up here all the time. If it's not him, no one else. Um, let's, let's read the text carefully. He says that in him they may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus. The thing there is this. In Paul being released, remember they're praying for him. He says... He resorts and calls and asks for their prayers in the beginning of our section today. Praying that, saying that by their prayers and that which the Holy Spirit, which the Spirit of Jesus Christ contributes, um, he's convinced, he's come to a conviction that, yes, this will work out for him being sprung. This will work out for him being delivered. And... His confidence is that, yes, this, this is what will happen. But to them, to the church in Philippi, it will be another cause for them to rejoice, to have confidence that, yes, this Christ, who we put our trust in, who we prayed to, who we relied on, we relied on his righteousness as we prayed and asked God for Paul to be delivered, he delivers Paul. And they're encouraged. And in Paul coming to continue with them as well, they're encouraged. So that they, um, they, their proud confidence will, will be in Christ Jesus working in Paul. That's the point. Through Paul coming to them again, through that, they will, uh, they will glorify Christ. So, Paul gives all the credit to Jesus here in what he says. He gives all the credit to Jesus. Their boasting is in Christ Jesus who dwells and ministers through Paul, not in Paul himself. 
so that in him, what Christ does, they will glorify Christ for what he does through Paul. It does turn out, actually, that Paul does get released from prison after this account. Um, indeed, he was released and probably released around 63 AD, probably before the burning of Rome. But then he gets imprisoned again a few years later and eventually gets executed. Um, and you can imagine the joy of the church receiving their Paul delivered, having written this to them, and what great encouragement it will be for them in their walk with Christ. So, where does our help come from? And what can we expect and hope for from Christ in these situations? Our help comes from even our prayers one for another. We can encourage one another in, in this ministry, in praying for each other. We can find and expect the help of the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ, even in our life-challenging situations. I know none of us here is actually in prison or held because of the gospel, as Christ is, but we deal with issues that uh, means we can, we deal with situations that we ourselves don't have capacity to deal with. We can call out to the one who is able. We can call out to the one who is able to help us so that we can find help in our time of need. Sometimes the choices may not be easy. The choices may be challenging. I'm torn between dealing with something I can't deal with and coming out, despising the shame of it and relying on Christ. I think that's an easy choice. However shameful it is, however difficult it is, let's present it to God. Let's look and um, resort to the means of grace that God has given us in the church amongst ourselves. And what should inform our choices in terms of um, the choices we make, whether to rely on God or whether to live the life that we have in Christ entirely for God? Of course, let it be that uh, we live a life that glorifies God, even in how we live it. There are many things that God gives us freely. Life to enjoy. After all, he's the same God who said, fill the earth, have dominion in it. You know, we may, we may all have bucket lists that include things we want to do. But let's consider the Christ who saves us. The Christ whose blood purchases us, the Christ who redeems us, and let our lives be a shout out for him, even as we continue to live it each day. Um, on this note, the ultimate challenge is what does it look like to live for Christ? What does it look like to live for Christ? Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we call upon you <clears throat> even in dealing with the issues of life. We call upon you, Lord God, even having looked at this passage today 
for the challenges, for the difficulties that Paul finds himself faced with. Trying to decide whether to remain, continuing fruitfully to work for you among the churches, or to be with you. Even in the face of adversity, Lord, help us, even in our own adversity, to call upon you. Help us, Lord God, to rely upon the grace that you have given us, whereby we can lift ourselves up, lift one another up in prayers to you. We can draw on the help of your Spirit, helping us, even in situations that we have no capacity to deal with. Lord, help us, Lord, that the choices we make will be ones that seek to glorify you, ones that seek to honor you, ones that seek to progress your kingdom, whether in our times and in the generations to come after us. Lord, help us ultimately that even in the freedom and liberty you've given us as your children, we will choose to live lives for your glory. We will choose to live indeed a life that's joyous, celebrating the gospel and the life you've given us in Christ. Thank you, Heavenly Father. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Join us next time for more of God's truth to transform your reality.